The Sideline Cut Podcast, sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick, making the energy requirements for your home, business or farm more affordable. Visit solarchoices.ie. Well, 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 it's Munster final week. Welcome along to the Sideline Cut Podcast, sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick, with myself, Luke Liddy, and James Ryan. Loads to come on this week's instalment as we look ahead to the massive clash between Limerick and Clare this Sunday. We'll hear from John Coyley, as well as former All-Ireland winning hurler with Clare, Colin Ryan, Bruffman, and Christy Ring winning Mead manager, Saoirse Bolfin. He joins us to look ahead to the big game as well. He'll have plenty of insight. He was part of Davy Fitzgerald's uh, Clare backroom team back in 2013 when the banner last won the All-Ireland. The main focus on the last pod was staying in the championship, wasn't it? But the uh, worry was for nothing with Limerick again reminding us why they're the uh, champions for a reason. It was amazing how quickly we were back to being the bad guys, though, after that one point win over Cork. But that's just the uh, price of success, I suppose. And a very good evening and welcome on the warmest day so far of 2023 to the Tusk Gaelic Grounds. It's Limerick v Cork in a crucial, and I mean crucial, Munster Senior Hurling Championship encounter. Take Hayes once again. He's motoring towards the defensive 65, trying to get the better of Dara Fitzgibbon, which he does. Releases it through towards the inside forward line. Well held by Angalan. Away towards the right. Chance for Flanagan. Goal! Seamus Flanagan has scored a goal to level the match. 1 9 Limerick, Cork, 12 points. Morrissey knocking it in towards the full forward line. Cork are trying to steady the ship at the back and they've done so momentarily. Cork and Niall O'Leary. O'Leary runs into a spot of bother. Limerick and William O'Donoghue who is onto it. 20 metres out from the goal. Here's a chance for O'Neill. O'Neill, goal! Carl O'Neill, a goal for Limerick. A goal for Limerick, their second of the day. And it's Limerick leading by one point. Just the sheer skill of that goal, Malalo, and Colin O'Neill knew he was going to get hooked or blocked. There was defenders all around him. He fake, he fake hit the ball. Unbelievable cognitive thinking under pressure on the ball there. But it was all caused by Cox on defending. It should have cleared their lines. Big moment of the match. Big moment between Limerick and Cork. It's Limerick 2.15. Cork 20 points. A penalty for Limerick. And it's Dermot Burns. Surely to go for a goal against Patrick Collins. Burns, we wish him well. Just outside the 20. Here's Burns. Goal! A peach of a goal. And I mean a peach of a goal to the top right corner. Limerick has grabbed their third goal and lead lead well against Cork. Ian Lynch has it. He's on the attacking 45. Moves away from his opponent. Plays uh, back towards Dermot Burns. Burns dropping it in towards the goal. That means up towards Angalad. Oh, it's all oh, over. Limerick oh. Cork. A most sensational day. A most sensational day. <laughs> Limerick are in the Munster final. I'm not so sure do people know it. But oh, they Limerick, know it, man. They know it. They're on the field. They're on the field. Limerick have won, but Limerick are in the Munster hurling final. How? I don't absolutely know. 
Jim Bob, we didn't think we'd have the Darth Vader music on the Sideline Cup podcast at any point this season, but look, I think that's the way it felt like the evil empire returns, they downed the rebels and everyone given out straight after the game about Dermot Burns' penalty, his foot was inside the 20 and... I suppose maybe it's the way we want it. We want Limerick to be hated because it means they're they're getting back to their best, hopefully. Yeah, look, um, I suppose it brings up another debate as well, Luke, uh, about look, does... Do you make your own look or does look come for you? Do you need the rub of the green or do, does that happen with good players? To be honest, we can't keep getting lucky. Um, who was the famous golfer that said, the more I practice, the luckier I get? And to use that context, I think it's just the better Limerick get, the luckier they'll get. Um, adding players like Cardinal Neal is after a great month of championship onto the panel, we'll say from 2018. So, um, look, I, I've been contemplating that and been talking to a lot of people about it. Yeah, we're definitely lucky to be in the Munster final. But, like, if you reflect on the whole thing that we weren't a million miles off any result, um, Waterford showing that they could be tipped in, that they, they nearly beat us at start, that the whole thing nearly show, pan out the way it was meant to, and, Look, we've a good team. It's very hard to beat good players. Every county, I suppose, it's been well documented that every county that has played Limerick in has maybe had a little bit of a lull after it as well. That it's like going into a a twelve round box match. Mike Tyson is now the comparison people are making. Your next box match the week after, you're going to be a little bit sluggish and a little bit tired and a little bit broke up and sore. And that that's the way it seems to be panning out. But uh, yeah, look, Dark Vader music, whatever you wanted. There was a bit of. I suppose bleak kind of a, an approach towards the whole country, towards Limerick, and we we maybe fell in that trap ourselves for a bit, saying, "Oh, we're going bad and all that." But when we started looking at results, and maybe as we said about the performance scale going inclining the whole time, getting that progressively a little bit better the whole time, um, we're just we're delighted to be where we are. But like we nearly deserve it in one way as well as being lucky, you know. Yeah, it's nearly a buzzword at this point that John Kiley uses in every single interview. It was kind of like Johan van Gran when he was over Munster. It was this week it's back to zero with John Kiley. It's uh, incremental improvements he's looking for, but we see it. We do see it week in, week out, and every game they come out, they're that little bit better. But I think hearing about the special atmosphere in that Limerick dressing room and the fact that the players stuck around, I think, for a couple of hours after the game in each other's presence, and you had that, I suppose, camaraderie, and look, we did it we did something really special when we were written off that's going to stand to Limerick you'd have to say and we were coming into the last pod terrified we were going to maybe be out of the championship and now it's the positivity it's amazing the fine margins and how your I suppose how your attitude can change yeah and, and like what you kind of spoke about there is, is basically a description of the bubble that people always talk about that players live in a bubble actually the whole management team and players they live in this bubble where they don't actually listen to that much media we've already documented that that it can be either negative positive so they don't listen to it because it's got it has just no great result for your performance and management would have been the same but still you can't avoid it like John Kiley said a couple of weeks you can't avoid it so it would have been getting into the psyche but if you're listening to negative press about your team maybe not about you individually about your team and then you're talking about that in your bubble or it's coming up a conversation well then you're just galvanising a team together um, we've seen it with all great teams I suppose uh, every great team needs doubters to improve them um, like I, I just presume as as Dan said here in a previous part as well we're in unknown territory here we don't know we've never done this before it's undocumented but I presume that um, when you're in that bubble now um, if we ask the question outside that bubble what is their motivation at the moment um, and like you could go obvious and say sure it's for glory it's for five in a row and it's for six in a row and it's for this kind of stuff but 
I suppose that can only last for so long and that's long term um, they're long term goals and it's hard to stay with a long term goal so they're looking I, I suppose we used to always compliment Kilkenny and, and it, like there was no doubt they used to be so good at taking the smallest fraction of what people might say or do or anything at all and use it as motivation towards the other team or to prove their performance and I, I think Limerick are slightly doing it this year because uh, we can see their performance is getting better I think lads are growing into the championship but I do think that they're using an awful lot of this Dark Vader music that people doubting them and the whole lot as unbelievable motivation because a lot of it was unjustified, to be fair. Like, it wasn't as if, like, to me, you know, for a team to be falling away and maybe slipping a bit, um, you would nearly say, like, the Dublin football team, for example, uh, they done their six in a row and then there was a big change up. They had a couple of injuries. They they slipped down to Division 2 in the league. Uh, they nearly... They struggled away in Division 2 this year. They got back up Division 1, but they're it's been over time where we're kind of saying they're slipping a bit but we're not saying they're gone there was people writing off Limerick after losing by uh, a pint to Clare and by beating Waterford by two pints in a game where they were obviously psychologically just a little bit off it and suddenly the wheels had fell off the wagon so it was never like that I think the talk just escalated but uh, look at the end of the whole thing and I know it's easy to say in hindsight but we're in the Munster final. If, <laughs> if I came across there and uh, and the second part after losing the Clare by a pint and say, I think we're going to be in the Munster final, I think a lot of people would would, would have slightly doubted it. I, I, and I think that's fair to say, but um, it's just unbelievable. I, I'm still in shock at the, the Waterford result uh, against Tipperary, given the fact, Luke, that uh, we're on about motivation, what, what brings uh, every player goes out whether you like it or not uh, you go out with the intentions uh, you are fully convinced and committed that you're going to win the All-Ireland and what if we went out in the last game for effectively uh, for a bit of pride and the whole lot so they were nowhere near where their dreams wanted to be and uh, to put in a performance like that or was it a bit of maybe temporary underperforming but you have to take your hat off to Waterford as well yeah, you definitely do. And I think David Fitzgerald came out and said it was kind of for the respectability of the competition as well as, as his own side, uh, such as the, the massive respect for the Munster Championship. And I think we've seen it uh, no, none more so than this season in, in what's been put before us on the on the pitch. It's been absolutely phenomenal. And uh, we're all geared up now for that massive final between Limerick and Clare at the two scale grounds this Sunday. You're in tune with Live 95. It's the Sideline Cut podcast with solar choices of Limerick. And here's a word from John Kiley ahead of that big game against our loving neighbours, Clare. Uh, listen, uh, your home ground is your home ground, you know, no matter what. And... You know, we're very proud of our record here. We're very proud to play here. It means a lot to us. We love training here. We love spending time here. And we're certainly going to look forward to playing once the final here. And finally, and your tickets for this, were there such great fans for tickets for this final? A lot of fans are left disappointed. Do you want to imagine the stage then? Do you happy here? There's always going to be people disappointed. You know, be it a Munster final or be it an Ireland final, no matter when you have it uh, or where you have it. Uh, you know, but I think what you'll find is that uh, you know, you'll have an even number of people from both counties here on Sunday. Uh, the tickets have been split down the middle, but I think uh, you'll have a fantastic atmosphere from us. Unfortunately, some won't be able to make it because of the capacity limitations, but uh, I think those at home will enjoy it just as much as those here as well. John, uh, how did you first come about hearing the player the game here? What was your initial reaction? Um, well, listen, you know as much as I do, really, um, it was a case of. Uh, they, they wanted Van Torres, once the council wanted it in Cork, we were quite happy to go along with that. 
and then uh, the offer was made by the Clare management team to, to play it in, in, in the Gaelic grounds and between the two county boards they, they ironed out an agreement that satisfied both parties so I think that's really what the book is really you know I think uh, everybody's happy with the fixture now looking forward to it I think it'll be a very special fixture a very special occasion Were you surprised by Dunlop's coming here I think they'd... I wouldn't say surprised like, but you know, I can see the like, I can see the thought process behind it you know so you know that was their decision that was their request and I'm sure you know it's done now it's a case of the game is what's important now and it were you surprised about the fact that Clare would rather play the game at the Gaelic grounds than, than Cork, Jim Bob? I think there was a lot of noise about so much going on in Cork and their fans would have to obviously make the journey. But for them to be happy enough to to go with an away final, what were your thoughts? Is this mental <laughs> mental mind games or, or what is it? Yeah, look, I suppose from a Limerick point of view, we've won amongst the final down in Cork when we had the great comeback against Tipperary. We've won amongst the final in Torless last year against Clare. So, um, look, I suppose every team now, the way the month's championship's going, uh, bar Walsh Park, obviously, but when Walsh Park was even open for, for matches, and it will be again, uh, most players are going to know the grounds. It, it's not that long ago since they played in the Gaelic grounds and things like that, but um, it was very interesting given the fact they just give up home advantage, but there's a whole psychological warfare going on behind that because uh, it's kind of putting the ball back in your court, basically. Uh, Claire, Brian Lawn, management, whoever made the decision is saying... Yeah, we'll take you on your own backyard. We've beat you there once before. And like, it, it's all that kind of underlying language or thought process that's going on. And, and there's no doubt about it is that um, it's basically clear saying, we'll take you on anywhere. We're confident enough. We don't fear you kind of a thing. And uh, I suppose the ball back in Limerick's court then is kind of saying they're willing to take us on their own backyard. They're coming for us. Are we willing to stand up and fight to use the Tom and Park saying, is it going to same thing going to happen in, in the Gaelic grounds? But uh it's a very interesting move because uh, I, 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 it's kind of unprecedented in the way that like maybe in the football Kerry and Cork might have an agreement so they automatically know so the fact that this isn't uh, a done thing where it was out of people's control or power the fact that we know that Clare said yeah we'll take you on there um, look I suppose it was a, a easy maybe for Clare in one way um, I'm just saying in one way in the fact that a lot of their players would have played in Arts Colerich they'd have trained an awful lot in the Gaelic grounds they play a lot of their matches there even a, a lot of their players would have played duel coming up and did any time Limerick and, and Clare meet it's a lot of the time it's on the Gaelic grounds or if Clare have an away game against maybe Tipperary or something like that it'd be on in the Gaelic so they played her a lot it's very near clear it's accessible to all the, the hurling clubs and even West Clare football clubs around there they, it's just straight in the road so it makes sense but um, I actually love it as a, as a neutral looking at this I love the whole uh, psychological warfare that goes on the fact that they said yeah um, I just think that it's it's a dangerous move. You have to nearly commend them because it's it's a dangerous move given the fact like um, if you were taken on the Limerick team of 2018, I know they didn't get to the months of final that year, but effectively very little won. They were only starting uh, their journey and you say, yeah, we take them on there. But now you're taking on a team that's going for five monsters in a row and four in a row and you're willing to take them on in their own backyard. Um, look, we could have a debate, as I said already, about uh, home advantage or away, the way the Munster Championship's gone, but the fact that people talk about, even in professional sports, home advantage so much and winning your home games, whether it be the Premier League or the Rugby League, whatever it is, there's definitely something in it. It's about knowing your surroundings, having your dress room. Uh, that's where you train, as John Kaya said. So, look, it's it's very, very interesting. Um, you know what's going to go on after the match. Um, 
uh, that people, if Claire win, they'll say, oh, that was the winner of the game now, and oh, look, we were willing to take you on anyway. And if they lose, they're, they're going to say that was the, the reason they're going to blame Claire. They should never have took him on there. I see it going on in social media already where half the crowd are giving out and half the crowd are delighted. So it's a very funny move. Uh, we don't know what effect it'll have on the players, um, but it definitely will have an effect on the players. Um, there's no doubt about that. It'll even have an effect on the team as a whole. It'll be it'll have an effect on Limerick whether they'll galvanise and I said like stand up and fight. They're willing to come in here and we'll drive them back to Clare, that kind of talk. Or Clare coming in and say we beat them here once already. So it'll definitely have an effect. What kind of an effect it'll have, I actually don't know because I've never seen this happen before. Um, I think the fact as well that Clare won in the Gaelic rounds this year, maybe they're trying to hunt off that, that we've already won there, get the same mindset, let's keep everything the same and power on. Yeah, from my own point of view, you kind of try to think of it logically and you take yourself out of the situation because obviously as a Limerick fan or a pundit, you get caught up with the the nervousness and the excitement. But you see any team that's that's been dominant in, in any sport are always difficult to beat twice in the same season and particularly at the same venue at, at home. So that's what I have my fingers crossed for anyway. But just in terms of, I suppose, the you talked about the mindset. I think it's nearly the the Limerick fans who are nervous about it because they're maybe dreading Clare coming out, out onto the field lifting the Mick Mackey Cup but that's only for the for the 40 odd thousand uh, between Limerick and Clare who'll be there because tickets have been like hen's heat Jim Bob I mean it's it's nearly worse than an All-Ireland final at this stage I mean if I had a Euro for everyone who asked me <laughs> have I any word of of tickets um, it's, it's, it's amazing isn't it but it just shows how many people want to go and, and get to this event yeah, look, I, as I said already, um, definitely 60, 70% of the Clare fans that will be there um, on Sunday will, will live closer to the Gaelic grounds than I live. So it's very accessible. Again, uh, whether we like it or not, human beings love to have what they can't have. So the fact that there's only so many tickets there, the the fact that it's uh, like a, a hunt trying to get them, uh, it kind of builds a... Uh, an aura about it itself coming up to the week and um, I suppose you, you always want the, the golden ticket a bit like Charlie and Chocolate Factory and that's what they're kind of like this time and look to get, if it was on in Bovencourt Park if this was an All-Ireland final for instance it, it would be a sellout like Limerick and Clare when they're going well especially they will follow it'd be 70-80 thousand Crow Park eventually you get a ticket but I think people realise this week that they mightn't be as plentiful. For the All-Ireland final, you'll always eventually get a ticket. Everyone kind of knows it'll be hard, it'll be hard for you, but you'll eventually get one. But um, I think this is just going to be a, a sellout and it's going to be hard to get tickets and it's first come, first serve kind of a thing. Um, it just makes it very interesting. But back to your thing about the mindset. Just I, I remember speaking, we were having the conversation a couple of weeks ago when Claire did beat Limerick and we were talking about uh, the mindset. Uh, what What... Clare had to play for in round two of the Munster Championship what Limerick had uh, we were saying Limerick didn't play great against Waterford they needed to up it a bit but you can't just find that energy out of nowhere and we have to remember Clare were after a defeat and they had to win um, now they did a great they pushed on after the Limerick game obviously won that by a point and they ended up topping the group but if we go back to that Limerick-Clare game in round two Clare had to win Limerick wanted to win Clare had to win as I said already Clare were watching Limerick uh, lift the lead McCarthy for three in a row um, they'd know all these lads fairly well went to school and whatever and after seeing them doing three in a row Clare knew they had a chance if not could have should have whatever we want to say it beat them in the Munster final um, we're on about the Mike Tyson 12 rounds they seem to have a serious hangover after that Munster final they didn't perform at all against 
Kilkenny in the semi-final they'd have been very disappointed about that and they had to wait that long to have another cut of Limerick now the story is completely different now it's only a couple of weeks later uh, I would have said that Limerick have really tidied up on their unforced errors since the Clare game. They made a few afterwards in the Tipperary game, whatever, but even the Cork game, the last day now, there was way less errors from both teams. Even the scoring, and then I'll tell you that, 325 to Limerick and 130, like 31 scores for Cork. So that'll tell you that there was a lot of free-flowing hurling, not that many mistakes. So the ball is back in, in, in Clare's court this time in, in terms of all the motivation is nearly with Limerick this time as I keep saying to you there is nothing better than going in as you said it's very hard to beat a team twice there's nothing better than going in I wouldn't use the word underdog in this one but nothing better than going in with when the team you're playing in the final has beaten you a couple of weeks ago so straight away it's easy to get your mindset and the team's mindset right you know you're going to compete against the team and I think this is actually going to help Limerick as well let's give Claire a bit of credit here last year's Munster final went to a draw or went to extra time a draw after 70 minutes this year they won it by a point but they are well able to compete with the best teams in the country including Limerick so and Clare in a good place they've been been going well now for the last if you leave the league aside for the last two or three years they've been very consistent um, they're a well organised side they're not going to just die out of the game there's going to be no fear that. and I think that's why there's such a, a demand or a scarce scarce uh, tickets around the place because you know there's going to be two great teams going at it. Um, like I'm really looking forward to the game, but even if I wasn't from Limerick, I think I'd be going to this Munster final if I could get a ticket in because you just everybody in sports just loves seeing two great teams going at it. Like we saw Leinster and Lever Shell going at it. What an unbelievable game. And it took peaks and troughs. And I think this game could be the same. I think you could see it, Limerick or Clare going out by seven points, but the other team will claw their way back into it because they're in a good place physically, mentally, both have good management setups and all them things. But I do think I'm definitely giving Limerick the nod here because I think Clare were unbelievably motivated compared to Limerick the last day. And I think... There's a Munster final to play for here. I think we're still on an upward, upward curve and I think Limerick have massive motivation playing a team that already beat them a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and I suppose you, you add into it the, the rivalry as well and uh, the fact that we're neighbours and look, we, we speak about it all too often and I suppose at a certain point, does it boil over from just a healthy rivalry to actual maybe hatred kind of bubbling under the surface? I mean, familiarity does breed contempt and look, we, we work together and you don't want to be coming into the office and there's the Clare person there or there's the Limerick person there and they're rubbing your nose in it. Like, it probably doesn't go to the point of hatred, but it goes, the lines are pretty blurred, I'd say. <laughs> are they? I'm <laughs> yeah, just trying to be right. honest, you know. Uh, yeah, from a sporter's point of view or, or a player's point of view. Look, we'll talk from a player's point of view, first of all. Uh, look, every inter-county player uh, will and definitely does have ultimate respect for any other inter-county player. Um, and that's just because they know Hurland football, Camogie, Christy Ring, Laurel, no matter what it is, they know the commitment, the time, everything that put that's put into it. Now, where the, the rivalry can come from is when two teams of the same ability are meeting in finals like this. So this second year in a row to meet in Munster, which is unbelievable in its own right. Um, so the more you meet, the more, I suppose, comments are passed. Uh, the fact that they went to school together. Some of them even could be friends. I'm sure they are. I think some of them lived together and all that in college over the years. So, like, it's it's rivalry. It's healthy rivalry between the players anyway. We'll talk about sports as well, but it's healthy rivalry. But, um, it, look, when the ball is thrown in, it's win at all costs. And I think you're programmed that way. You're trained that way from under 14, academies, whatever it is. Like, it's, it's at the end of the day, 
when you start getting competitive, it's it's all about winning. You you see, the cup is what you want. You if you watch any movie, it always ends with the team winning. That's that's what it's all about. Look from a supporter's point of view, unfortunately, there's always going to be comments passed and the whole lot. And look, we're in bonus territory at the moment. Like we're going for five Munsters in a row, uh, going for four All Irelands. Uh, look, it's easy for us to talk. We'd be better off maybe biting our lips at times. But when you're in the golden era, and like at times, then and I'm saying this about Clare, I'm saying about other counties, whatever. I meet lads and they're saying. I've been 45 years waiting to say that to a fella. It's all that kind of talk. So, look, I, it's all healthy. If you're if you're mad to have a comment for somebody and meet him after the match, the whole lot, in one way, if you think about it, aren't you looking forward to meeting him as well? Do you know? So, yeah, yeah. it's healthy rivalry. Um, but I do think it all builds. I do think that whole border, I do think that uh, the fact we're, we're so near clear that half the people working, I just think it all builds to a, a beautiful match to watch. But from a player's point of view, it builds to the tension and it can be, it can nearly affect your performance to a, a certain degree. And I always say it to the listeners, it's like that club rivalry when you, you have a neighbour in club or you, you have somebody inside in your head as another team. It, it just, it, it, it has different elements. A game like this with rivalry always has different elements to it. Yeah, it definitely does. So we're keeping it at the, the healthy rivalry category and family <laughs> rivalry as well between Paul Flanagan of Clare and Seamus Flanagan from Limerick. So we have family divides being crossed as well. And uh, won't the Christmas table there uh, be a fun one depending on the result tomorrow? We'll hear from um, the Clare point of view now because former All Ireland winner back in 2013, Colin Ryan, he's been given his view on the game. Firstly, about uh, playing the game at the Gaelic grounds, he gives uh, his thoughts on who he thinks is uh, going to win as well. No prizes for guessing that, though. Clare have never had an issue with going into the Gaelic grounds. Um, I uh, like logistically even for the team. I was thinking about it like with a one forty five throw in. Like there's a good chance that you know Clare that road to Cork isn't um, isn't the, the most ideal preparation for a Munster final. Like there's a good chance that they might have had to go down the night before so that you know routines aren't. Um, aren't affected and lads aren't getting up too early and, and sorting everything out like so to have it in the Gaelic grounds lads can go about their business on the morning of the game you know it's it's nothing to them you know traditionally we've been into the Gaelic grounds a lot of times uh, in in the last you know 10-20 years and we know we're going to get in there but at the same time I don't think it's a, a disadvantage to go in there Prediction. Um, you know what? Like, I think I think this Clare team having the break will will help. I think it's going to take a phenomenal uh, performance uh, to beat Limerick. I think Limerick are coming probably strong uh, at the, at the right time for them. Uh, but I still think this Clare team are going to have that kind of that want, um, that passion, that drive to go and win a Munster final. Is that in Limerick this year? You know, they've come through a lot of battles. I think they, their main aim was to come out of Munster anyway first. So I'm hoping that Clare will have that bit more hunger and we have enough up top, I think, to maybe just get us over the line. No surprise there that Colin Ryan is, is siding with his own county, Jim Bob. And look, they have every right to, to be confident coming into this one. As you say, obviously beat Limerick last time out, but it's going to be tough for, for both sides this game. Should be an absolute cracker. Connor Cleary, could that be big? Look, by the time this podcast is out, the teams will have been named. Obviously dislocated a shoulder against Cork. He's a massive defender for Clare. Even if he is named to start, if he's not at 100%, it could have a big bearing, but... At the same time, Limerick have injuries. Sean Finn, obviously last year without Keane Lynch, you go on to win the All-Ireland. It's a panel game, but he will be a miss even if he's not starting or if he is starting and not at 100% capacity. I probably have my Limerick hat on here. Maybe I'm a bit biased, but I think this is a clear fact. Uh, 
I think it's easier for Limerick, no, don't get me wrong, he's a massive loss, but I think it's easier for Limerick to be missing Sean Finn and uh, put in, in Mike Casey or, or swap him around, put Barry Nash, Dan Morrissey, our full back line still solid enough. But when you're missing Conor Cleary from your uh, full back line and uh, who you're, you're, you're looking at trying to compete with Aaron Galan and Seamus Flanagan inside, um, devastating. Uh, if you're not on form, they, they could destroy you there. Um, even Conor Cleary was in there and then nearly had a goal after one minute. Remember Seamus Lanigan missing it. So, um, look, we won in All-Ireland last year without Keane Lynch and Peter Casey as well. Um, obviously, Peter's back and we're missing Sean out of the backs. But, um, look, I, I just think that like, this is another thing that, that Colin Ryan said there. He was on about like preparations for the game and the whole lot. Um, like on about 10 or 20 years. I think the fact that the Munster Championship has changed form completely, that you actually have four rounds, not well, five rounds, but four matches. Um, they come ticking fast. I even think that the break, we haven't even talked much about the break, which is probably a good thing because you can, you can read into a break too much. Sometimes it might cause you to start bad for the first 10 minutes. Other times it might, you might be fresh and power into it. But um, the fact that these lads are so fit, they're playing week and week now, the new change of championship. Uh, I don't think it makes that much of a difference in terms of venue or how much of a break they had I, I, I just basically what I'm saying is they're getting more professional the preparations are more professional uh, they've got sports psychologists now um, I think we're all reading into this from old championships where uh, you play one match and you could be out of the Munster Championship or one match could be out of the whole thing there's where your pressure is coming that's the time where you needed your sports psychologist you need things right you need your venue right whereas now it's week and week match and match and I think they've all these kind of creases ironed out um, yeah look um, he's saying that Limerick could be lacking that bit of hunger and, and things like that as well In um, which look is a fair point obviously but I actually think that is the one help about playing our rival here um, uh, I, I think hunger goes out the window when you're playing your your rival because uh, you just want to win the game you want the bragging rights I think it's coming at the perfect time for Limerick um, I just know given the fact that they, they may be as I keep saying to you, what's their motivation now? We keep needing them one percent to move on. I think the fact if they're going to get to Crow Park, no team wants to meet them there. But I think this is a massive little kind of a motivational factor. Do you think that Limerick are going to rock on as fans, our players, going to rock on on Sunday, and we're going to say, "Ah, oh, yeah, look, we didn't have the hunger now to be clear in amongst the final and let them." It's not going to work like that. And the players are thinking the very same. We're all human, and Clare are saying the very same. Clare players and fans are coming onto the ground saying, oh, "I can't be listening to them now." If we went, it's the same mindset, same psychology. Going on and I think that's going to help the Limerick team because uh, I just know I've been in dress rooms the whole lot they do not want to be coming out losing to Clare um, and letting Clare be the ones to stop them going for five in a row taking the McMackey Cup home and all them things so I would slightly disagree with him in the fact that I think there's massive motivation going into this Munster final if you look at the last game coming into this game Clare went pretty much man for man didn't they so like you look at it tactically and you look at you'll obviously want to get on top of the puck outs you'll want to up the percentage from shooting as well that's that's clear and obvious but in terms of if it is man on man again is it very simple and you just need to win your individual battles yeah um well a game is never that simple i often thought of that myself just go man on man i i do actually uh I Waterford actually done that against us in the in the in the first match. Um, now they done a couple of things uh, that were very good, and people were saying crazy stuff out of Davy after that. But uh, they went man for man um, against Limerick team. Uh, I think a lot of teams. If, I keep saying Hurling's going a lot like football. Uh, in order for anyone to get near Dublin or compete with them, uh, Mayo and them couple of Irons should have won. They went man for man. They got their matchups right. But um, Limerick are gonna the Tony Kelly factor. Where it's like where 
getting deja vu here. We said the same thing a couple of um, weeks ago that are Limerick going to mark Tony Kelly or not? And Gohan, maybe they, they have tried, I, but Gohan and the performance and what we've seen and, and the way he plays against Limerick, they, they seem to say Tony Kelly can score so much, but we're going to outscore Clare. We lost by a point the last day, so um, he's going to be man-marked. I think if you are going man and man, and I think most games actually just maybe end up a little like that, I think matchups are going to be huge. Um, I think the middle of the field is going to be a big factor as well. Um, we know that Fitzgerald was missing the last day as well against um, Limerick, which is a, a massive thing. Uh, so we've got William O'Donoghue and Dara Donovan who who won the game for us against Cork, I would say, the last day. I, I know there was unbelievable performances, Aaron and Shane Flanagan and the full back line, but we won that game in midfield. Uh, the two boys were awesome. They're, they're having a great year. So the middle of the field, um, and what I mean by the middle of the field is even, it's, uh, even though it's all congested and that, that, middle third and everyone tries to it's just their, their tackle count the amount of possessions they're getting on the reading the breaking ball um, and it, anyway when, when you, Limerick plays clear it's always a tight affair so um, yeah tactics are going to be huge I think Tony Kelly the Tony Kelly thing is I suppose the biggest talking point um, I suppose I have a story I suppose back in 2015 we I remember we, we all met in uh, the Woodlands as a team and we all went into different groups I, I think it was like where you played so if you're in the full back line half back line midfield we all went into groups and we, we mapped out the way we were going to play and then they put up bullet points up on the screen it was actually it was fairly unique I don't think we'd done it before or after but our whole game plan probably came down to three points but one of them the main point of the whole thing and we won the game was actually Keane Lynch's debut I'd say back I think got man the match whatever but our whole game plan nearly came around Tony Kelly it was a uh, man mark Tony Kelly and we didn't exactly put a man mark on him we all just came up with this kind of a, we called it limpet where uh, if you were near him and you were the closest player to him and you were kind of doing nothing or affecting Mark you just went alongside him um, I think Limerick are going to take that kind of a tactic where it's basically we say it in layman's terms about keeping an eye on him um, so like I'm not on about dirty tactics take him out of the game or anything I'm on about being inside in his psychology for the whole game so every time that was our plan to be in his psychology so anytime he was rising the ball there was always somebody on him there was always a flick coming in there was always a hen coming in something to put him off or get a hook in get a block in and he ended up starting the game poor now he didn't play well the same day but sometimes you feel another team's energy or you know like there, there's no doubt that if that tactic's done against you you could tell that Tony Kelly knew after about five minutes said I'm not going to get an inch of space here that, you know so um, I think Limerick are going to take on some bit of an approach like that because do we have an out and out man marker I I actually do, can't answer that question because we, we don't take that approach we kind of I suppose we kind of nearly do zonal marking more, more than anything Declan Hannon sits back and everyone else kind of sticks to their men in, in terms of their position but uh, yeah the breakdown uh, in terms of men and men and tactics is going to be very very interesting Another tactic, I suppose, that we saw in the in the Cork game, and we probably hadn't seen it in the in the earlier rounds, was Limerick were going very direct and straight into the full forward line, weren't they? And we got great change out of that. And I suppose when you have Aaron Galan, Seamus Flanagan, you have uh, Peter Casey hanging in around there as well. Why not go long? And they definitely bore fruits from it. Do you think that they'll target that again, especially if if Cleary is out? Yeah, you, you reckon Paul Canuck, John Kiley and uh, Shania Donner listen to the pod, Luke, yeah. No, look, we, we, look we're, not, geez, we're not trying to say we're, we're right here or anything, but like, the one thing that has been said, it's been well documented on shows and this, everything, is that uh, teams are starting to push up on Limerick or even on other teams, like you see Tipperary playing cock or whatever, teams are starting to push up on the puck out or, or they're starting to maybe play zonal or not play with a half-hour line. Anyway, effectively, when teams are playing against Limerick, 
they're pushing up and they're nearly exposing the full back line. And I think Limerick have copped this, whether it be video analysis and the whole lot, and they definitely were more direct. Now, they didn't become one-dimensional either, where they just, uh, like, I suppose it, we were guilty of it a couple of times. I think every team, you watch games and tell even, uh, let's go direct, and you hit every single ball in high. And did hitting the team, hope. Hitting hope, and then players just filter back, and you're just hitting it into a crowd where... Limerick mixed it up brilliantly. Um, look, I don't, I don't think this is rocket science. I've said it time and time again. Aaron Glenn's able to win the ball high. He can win in front. He can go from behind. Very hard to match. He can win freeze penalties like the last day. Kind of nearly half playing the man winning the ball. So um, they definitely played more direct. They definitely put the ball in definitely a lot more than they usually do. Uh, but still they kept the other team thinking we're playing with a bit of weight, playing the ball across to Kyle or, or Dermot and hitting from range. So I look, I, I think it was great to see him play a bit more direct. I think we're going to see a bit more of that on Sunday. But this is what makes the Limerick team so hard to break down or any good team. They can play the balls wide, they can play the ball down the middle or they can play it long. Um, they can play it any which way and they're starting to mix it up a bit, which is brilliant. So uh, I don't think whether it be Conor Cleary with uh, half dislocated shoulder or whoever's going to be in there could be Flanagan, Paul Flanagan could actually get a start down nowhere, but no back in the country wants a high ball coming in one on one with Aaron Glenn. Mm. Yeah, he's certainly the best in the business when it comes to feeling the high balls and uh, such a weapon to have inside in the, the inside forward line is Aaron Galan. Well, we caught up with uh, Sorsha Bolfin for this week's podcast. Obviously, a really successful season as manager with me, the promotion from Division 2B in the league and the Christy Ring Cup as well. Just last weekend had a really successful weekend of it. He's known probably more so for his close connection with Davy Fitzgerald and he was on the coaching team in in that 2013 All-Ireland success as well for the banner. Take a listen to this. We, we have to congratulate you first because your your first season as a, as a, as a senior manager with Mead and I suppose you had the promotion in the league and then you had the, the Christie Ring Cup success as well. So a, a really hugely successful season. Fair play. Thanks a million, Luke. Yeah, thanks, James. Look, it's, it's great when you, when you take a step into management to win both competitions that we entered was fantastic. Um, I suppose if I was a sensible man, I might retire now and forget about it. Goes in the high, but um, no, look, it's great to be back up and we test ourselves next year. But I had a bigger gun beginning to Joe McDonough, but that's going to be a, a huge kind of whole other challenge. But that's for another day. You're obviously well known for your work with Davy Fitzgerald and your partnership with him in in various backroom teams. Was there talks about going in with him at, at Waterford, or did you feel like you needed a new challenge, or, or what was the case? I could choose. There was plenty of talks, but look, Davey was under no, no illusions. For me, they always wanted to have a go at management, and I suppose having spent the year above and me, like doing some of the coaches and stuff, and when the opportunity arose, then I spoke to Davey. He'd no issue, I'm sure. Look, when you got into Waterford, in around the same time, I could have ended up in Waterford, I'm sure, but um, it's fair, he was delighted. I got the opportunity in Mead, and, and I, I went to Mead with his full blessing. Yeah, Sorsha, um, first of all, James Ryan here, just. I want to also congratulate you, um, as you say, your first year management, um, Ryder over stuff and long may continue for you and fair play. But I suppose my my questions kind of, I know there's a lot of listeners a, a bit like myself um, that would be into maybe coaching or taking over a team and whether it be as a manager this year, Sosha, or even being involved um, with other county squads, maybe as the understudy or a, a joint manager or whatever, what would you say is like the biggest learning over being over a group of people and uh, maybe the hardest things to deal with when you're, when you're dealing with a group of adults, I suppose, is, is probably um, the best question. I suppose, um, that's a good question, James. 
I says I I I built up a good bit of experience kind of working closely with with the AV and even our club level with different guys as well. Um, the, the very obvious hardest thing for me all year was last Thursday night to pull it out of side and tell him that he was dropped for the final, having played nearly in every game, league and championship, and we made a decision and I was it's my job then to go and tell the lad that he's not starting and, and the guy who's at you is spot on, uh, who will never kind of complain about anything. That, that's difficult stuff. So, for me, I suppose that's, that's probably the hard part of it, telling lads they're not in the 26, and maybe guys in the 26 in the zone make the 15. Uh, and they're all, like we 38 in a panel above and me, they're all working just as hard as each other. Um, just, the one difference I found this year was, look, I, I love the coach, and you know, I had it in my head, but I would be heavily involved in the coach again this year. Um, but as the year progressed, there's a hell of a lot of logistics and administration that kind of goes with the management side of things. And, you know, regardless of the level, James, I kind of spent most of the day all day, every day, from when I was appointed last August, on the phone, whether it's the county board or the players that are maybe the ultimate sponsors and things like that. So there's a lot more logistics. You kind of can't just turn up, do your session and go home. Do you know that sort of way? You're, you're dealing with players and you have to make sure that as manager that you know, everything in, in the player's life has to be spot on, you know, outside of hurling. You want to perform to a maximum when you're on the pitch, either training or matches. You know, life has to be going well for them as well. So you're constantly checking in, guys. Um, and that's probably, you know, I'd have done more of that this year than I would have done the previous years. But I have to say, like, the head coach I had in Mead, David O'Reilly, a West Speedman, who I worked with last year, is phenomenal. Like, he is top class. So, like, I knew once, if I was thinking of maybe players one-to-one, the session wouldn't be different in any way, you know, that he'd be driving on as good as anyone, you know. Yeah, um, a great answer. You're probably going to, after definitely half answering my second question, but... The game itself, I'm just going to speak about the, the All-Ireland final itself. Um, Mead started so well. Um, some of the scores there were from unbelievable angles and even the fact they took them on and they hit it with such confidence, I suppose. And I know they're probably in one perfect answer. You might have a few of this, but was there anything where you knew the team was going well or you had them in the right place or was it just the five minutes you said, here we go? Because to start the match and play with that confidence and get the scores... Um, was there anything in particular, one or two moments where you knew during the week or even at the build-up of the match you said, well, we're in the right place here? But funny, a few people have made reference to that first half and how constant lads, I suppose, looked. And I suppose, in a sense, I, was just, not, I wasn't surprised, but like, when you're trying to do stuff on the train, it's you're trying to mix up the play and maybe working on going short and going long and trying to keep it as varied as possible. And you're constantly getting guys to shoot and things like that and to have constant themselves. Uh, but to do it then, I suppose, in the first half an hour of the final is phenomenal. Finish up with 17 scores. But for me, I, I was quite relaxed all week. I was actually nearly more nervous before the last group game, which was effectively a semi-final. We were away at the Sligo. The pitch up there isn't great. Um, you knew they were going to throw everything at you. So I just I had a feeling all week, the training, they looked awful sharp in training. Um, their ball handling, their touch, they looked like they seemed to be getting better every week as the championship progressed. Um, and I was... Well, you're always going to be anxious. I, I was, I was quite relaxed going into the final. As I said, I was probably more relaxed in the final than I was today the cycle game two weeks previous. But the minute the game, I suppose, started and we got it nearly scored. So then Charlie made a very, very good save at the other end. And we were down, and it was like everything just kind of there was kind of a, a kind of a collective conscience kind of gathered from that save, and we kicked on and got a couple of scores, and you could just see that hitting the strides very, very quickly. And even I saw a couple of guys who would be generally quite nervous. One particular guy who was his first year playing champion with us and was telling me after the game that like last year playing Club Hurling, 
he would be in bits before every match. And to see him get on the ball early on, and you knew he was a nervous start to the guy, he just seemed to relax into it quite quickly for some reason. And I can't put my finger on it, James. I won't lie to you. There's no point in saying anything. There was no magic portion given to him. They got a couple of early scores. They tried a few things, and that seemed to kind of just settle him, you know? Sorsha, just wanted to turn our attentions to the big game at the weekend, obviously the Munster final between uh, Limerick and Clare, and obviously talking about you involved in that Clare backroom team in, in 2013. James Moran is, is in with the backroom team now, obviously. There's always seems to be that crossover between Limerick and Clare, obviously a couple of Clare men in the, in, in the Limerick coaching team as well. Paul Kinnark, I suppose, is probably still talked about in in Clare in terms of what he brought to, to that coaching team that you were involved with. What's he like to to work with? And did you feel when when you saw that he was going back to Limerick that they were onto a good thing? I yeah, listen. Paul is an exceptional coach. I mean, his track record speaks for himself. So he's very well very well regarded in any squad. So I knew it's just Paul going back to Limerick coupled now with the fact that. You know, he had a really, really good group of players that were, you know, to work with. And, you know, the team that won the, the 21s and the 15 and things like that, you knew, um, and you, they'd been very unlucky in a minor championship. You knew there was a really good group of players coming with Limerick at that time. So, you know, the timing is everything in coaching. And sometimes uh, it's not as important as, as, as the personnel, the timing of that. You know, so you could fall into the mix with, with, with the individuals he had. And sure, sure look, the rest, as I say, is history. But, for me, it was, a, it was a match made in heaven, you know. How are you feeling ahead of this one? Obviously, look, a lot of the talk about Limerick maybe looking like they're lacking a bit of energy or, or sharpness throughout large portions of that Munster campaign. Then it all seemed to, to click against Cork and, and they got over the line and uh, into the into the Munster final. How are you feeling ahead of, of, of this one against Clare? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm hugely excited and I got my ticket started this morning. <laughs> That's a big relief. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, Limerick and Clare is a huge occasion. I mean, Perlis last year, and, and you're just to witness that, it, you know, Munster finals are, are epic anyway, as James can tell you, like, they're, they're great days. But I said, Limerick and Clare, there's an extra edge to, to Limerick and Clare over the last number of years. We share huge rivalries. You know, people are working in each other's counties. They're going to school with each other. Um, so for me, I'm just excited at the prospect of what would be a titanic struggle on, on Sunday. And I think... I was at the the first two rounds for Limerick clash with me again, but I was at the tip game and I was at the Cork game. And the one thing that struck, I suppose, that I was struck by was the fact that the opposition were literally going full tilt and like Kip had to get an equaliser against us. We beat Cork and we were we were still kind of finding our our rhythm, if you like. I thought we were very good now in the second half to, to weather that Cork storm when it came at us again. I think the likes of Gerald Hegarty finished the way he did that super point he got straight from Mickey Gray's book out. I think a couple of guys like that starting to click on Sunday and I think there's, there's huge promise in for, for Limerick because regardless of what you say, look, they're coming, they beat us in their home patch already this year. Um, but again, they were full shot of that night because you could argue Limerick were a little bit off and we missed chances and things like that. So I, I would be hoping for Sunday that we, we, we would win five months or five in a row, which again is a massive feat in itself um, and there's great credit due to everyone involved if we can manage that. As a manager or, or as a coach, do you look back when you're analysing, do you look back at the Cork game and, and look for things you're improving there or do you go back and look at the Clare game that, that you lost and, and focus in on that one? You probably do a bit of both, to be honest, Luke. You'll probably, like, you'll be looking maybe at the Clare game more at, at, at Clare in that 
you know, where did we make hay maybe where, where could we do a little bit better, where could we target maybe potential weaknesses with them. And from a cost point of view, you might be looking at yourself and say, right, we've drafted probably, probably our most dual performance of the summer so far. So you're probably taking a bit more of your own performance in the park one, and you will certainly be looking at Clare and maybe some of the other fair games that they've played since as well to try and pick holes in, in, in their game plan and their squad. Is there anything that you saw in that, in that Clare game that maybe Limerick need to switch up to ensure they get over the line and obviously don't come up short again? The big thing is, look, I, I've been lucky enough to work with Tony Kelly in Clare and in LIT, uh, and he went to, to, before he went to, to UN and stuff. But for me, I think you kind of have to man mark Tony Kelly. I think any team that does that, um, you know, if you, if you can hold and shackle Tony Kelly, you're a long way to beat in Clare. And, and not for a second, I'm always saying, oh, they're a one-man team. Um, Luke, but he really makes him tick, you know, and like you saw in Lashes on Ireland's semi-final, the job might be busted on him. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think it's any coincidence that when Tony had probably dipped in form, that, uh, you know, Clare as a whole didn't perform the way they would have been expecting to perform. So, I, I, for me, I, I think the one thing I'd be doing is I'd be trying to let him man mark Tony Kelly. We didn't really do it last year in the Munster final, and I think there was a confidence there that no matter what, you know, Clare would have done, we'd have probably outscored them, and, uh, you know, we, we, we'd, have, we'd have gone toe-to-toe with him. I think this year maybe it's slightly different. I think I might be biased in my own club, and I think Sean Finn is a huge loss defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I just think, the, the one thing for me is if, if maybe you, you, you might look at man marking Tony Kelly. And even doing that, you have to accept he's going to get a couple of scores, but if you can keep Tony Kelly, I mean, to a couple of points or three points from play, you're a long way to probably beating Clare potentially. Yeah, Sorsha must have been listening to you a while ago. Jim Bob talking about the dangers of Tony Kelly. I think it's uh, fairly evident that he's their star man. But you look at, I suppose, the additions there to complement Tony Kelly. Shane O'Donnell, Peter Duggan, Mark Rogers, Aidan McCarthy. They're unearthing new stars as well as the experience of the likes of Shane O'Donnell and, and Peter Duggan. Yeah, did, did right there. And Look, I suppose talking about Tony Kelly, and he, as he said there, he saw him play college hurling as well, like... like I wouldn't say it's great analysts now to be talking about Tony Kelly as their key man to men mark him. It's fairly obvious. Um, anyone could see it. But um, what he's definitely doing, and I suppose uh, Pat Horgan, maybe you know, TJ Reid and Henry Shefflin over the years probably do it unknown to themselves. It's nearly not meant. Is they're, they're nearly taking all the pressure of being the main man off all the rest of the forwards so like the forwards are after naming out there Peter Duggan is definitely having a better year there this year than he did last year um, I believe he went away to Australia or was it New Zealand he went away there for a year after an unbelievable um, year back in 2018 I think he was gone in 19 or something like that and I think he's only coming back to that kind of form uh, this year where we all remember the goal he got some might say it was a free out or but it was very impressive from a from a neutral point of view he caught the ball kind of over William O'Donnell's shoulder kind of knocked him out of the way and, and kind of bulldozed his way through and a great strike back of the net and that's the Peter Duggan Clare want to see and Aidan McCarthy's doing unbelievable over the freeze he's putting up massive scores he was outstanding in a couple of the, the rounds um, Shane O'Donnell was one man I couldn't get over the last day against Limerick and even he's uh, he's really after carrying on last year's form. Um, I could not get over how good he's tackling um, and even if you you Shane O'Donnell as, as Clare in general what Clare are very good at is tackling getting men around the ball and the whole lot but if we use Shane O'Donnell as that example um, numerous times against Limerick the last day I could not get over like Shane O'Donnell's what five foot seven eight nine around that Um and he was up against maybe Kyle Hayes, Dermot Burns, Declan Hannon were coming out. He played a bit of the game out in, the, out in Limerick's half-back line 
players half forward line but every time he got I suppose they call it in, in stats or in, in sport in terms now a positive tackle where he was there was these lads coming at him at 6 foot 4 6 foot 5 and he was knocking them back or they had to turn um, he put in some unbelievable hits um, again maybe that comes back to the motivation where they had to win the last time and things like that but that's why this game is so tantalising why the game is going to be in the melting pot um, both teams are willing to put their body in the line um, that's what makes a final a final I suppose in comparison to other games they know what's at stake um, there'll be no inch given to either one of them um, and then if you do as we say put a man mark or, or you're trying to keep an eye on Tony Kelly I'm talking about that story back in 2015 about that working a while ago um, maybe that doesn't work now in 2023 because they have five six other unbelievable two score midfielders and five other uh, brilliant forwards so when you are keeping an eye on one forward it's creating a lot of space for, for another one inside and uh, look I, I spoke about maybe Shane Meehan and there's a few other fellas to come off the bench there as well so they have a good panel and they've, they've, they've good players to come on in the backs and the forwards so um, like I hope we're not discrediting Claire in this pod we, we know their pedigree we know they're a good team we're just saying that we'd like to think and hope and, and, and I do think that we're that little bit better and the fact that both of them I would say have the same amount of motivational levels coming into this game I just see us as a as a better team and a better squad but um, Claire will just fight for every single ball they will fight for each other the galvanised group so um, yeah as you say they, they're not just a one man show anymore they have a lot of players around um, different areas that are very strong um, so I suppose it'll be interesting yeah, you mentioned the bench. I think when Aaron Shanahan came on the, the last day at the, the Gaelic Grounds, he had a phenomenal game. He's a big man to come on off the bench as well. And we talked about the, the strength and depth of, of Limerick's panel over the the last number of years and the bench being so important. I think that Clare have found a, a great balance as well. You mentioned the midfield battle from a Limerick point of view. That's probably where the game is going to be, going to be won from a Clare point of view. If they were to get over the line, what do they need to get right on the day? Is it that intensity that they brought to the first game? Yeah, look, I, I, I keep using this line because it's so true, as a Brian Cody saying, but every game takes on a life of its own. Um, uh, I think, like, what do we mean by that? The elements, there could be a wind, uh, energy, it could be a warm day, it could be humid, it could be a, a day where it's hard to get your breath. But I do think that every team has looked at Limerick as the guide you'd be foolish not to um, to look at the guide and say right how do we win games here what do we do um, I think teams have realised that you need a panel obviously you needed a panel even before Limerick started winning but um, like Cork were able to bring on some key players the last day against Limerick Clare the last day as you said brought on the changes they made and I suppose it's it's the biggest um challenge for any management team on the sideline while the game is going on and definitely in a in a Munster final full house looking like the weather's going to be good uh, who'd blame a manager for losing focus or stats teams or whatever and maybe getting involved in the game but that's maybe the winning and losing a game because um, bringing on the likes of Aaron Shanahan or Shane Meehan maybe a Paul Flanagan from a clear point of view or for us bringing on Graham Mulcahy or um, bringing on Keen Lynch like Keen made a massive impact when he came on the last you know he's carrying a bit of a knock I don't know will he start this time but um it's not only bringing on the subs, it's about when do you bring them on. Um, I suppose Limerick Minnelli came nearly robotic in the fact that we were doing the commentary of the games, we were able to tell Tom Morrissey was going off after 54 minutes and Dean Grothegarty was going off after 50. We could nearly tell the minutes and we were in within a couple of seconds of it at, at times, but uh, they're not making the changes maybe as fluently or as regular to that, but uh, I think it's it's not only the changes, it's the timing of the changes that are going to be uh, very interesting. And, and again, look, I think the best thing to finish 
finish off this unbelievable Munster Championship with like it's it's been I think the best ever. Uh, I, I I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Every game was so close, and even the way it finished up with Waterford beating Tipperary. But I think the fact that they play each other uh, before and they've all played everyone in Munster's played each other. I think that there's no maybe soft touches any of the teams now they've all tightened up in the areas that they were poor in um, Clare conceded all them goals in the first match they've that well tightened up um, Limerick maybe were doing one or two things and, and they've that tightened up so both teams will know each other well and any mistakes that they've made in other previous rounds going into the All-Ireland series and once the final um, have been well tightened up so it's even harder to find a hole in, in each other's team a battle of the centre-backs as well when you look at John Conlon's uh, man-of-the-match performance against Limerick the last day and what that meant to him. And you look at Declan Hannan and the importance he holds in, in, in that Limerick team, the quarterback, the man with the steady hand. And I suppose you, you look at him and he doesn't have the, the greatest pace in the world, but like the old Italian defenders, the first yard of pace is in your head. And Declan Hannan seems to get better every year, but either one of those men when they have a good game a really good game it puts their side at a serious advantage and I think that's going to be interesting to watch how two of them get on obviously they won't be interacting with each other so to speak but they can, they're can they both able to lift their teams in different ways yeah um, absolutely I suppose that's the position of the centre back as much as the game changes and I know a few teams do different things the centre back nearly still sits in that number six maybe a bit further back or sits in the pocket whatever you want to put it but uh yeah, it was firstly on the Declan Hand pace thing, uh, you'd know about it if you'd follow him. He just uh, <laughs> it deceptive is what I'd say because you you get a shock at some of these fellas. You think they're slow and <laughs> you have to run after them. I'll tell you, but uh, yeah, look as you said, like they both show great leadership. We talk about leadership; it's a word that's used around the whole time. But what is leadership? So Declan Hannon shows leadership, um, like. I would say maybe he's grown into the captain, whatever, but he, he's not much of a speaker in terms, I'm sure he says he's bitten the whole lot, but anytime he's out on the pitch when Limerick need a score, actions can speak louder than words. He always gets that that inspiring score, that score that they needed. Or for some reason, every time he kind of comes, lays it off, gets a 1-2 or might find a pass to great vision or, or, or just put it over the bar. And it's very... It lifts the whole team, as you said. John Conlon's more of a... When the team need a tackle and when they... They need a shot puck out and he's to bash through three players and break a tackle and lay it off or get on a load of possessions. But I suppose that's what you want from your sweeper. If, if both teams are going to play with a sweeper, you want your sweeper to be a leader. You want them to have great confidence. You want them to be cool, calm, collected on the ball. And that's exactly what both of them are. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think both of them might have a big impact come Sunday. But uh, look, the game, it's just so many, there's so many little individual wars going on all over the place. Um, the puck out's going to be a big one as well. We've seen Clare this year, um, more so than other years, going short. And in fairness to them, they persisted with it a small bit because it went very wrong a couple of times, especially in the first game against Tip. But they had persisted with it in a couple of their uh, latter games against Cork even. They played the ball out from the half-back, like a short ball out to the half-back line and then they played it out very well. So teams are getting better at mixing it, as we said a while ago, but Limerick playing short and long. I think teams with their puck outs are getting very clever as well. So, uh, And I do think... Uh, I don't have a stat in it in front of me, but I do think Limerick are getting more percentage puck outs off as well. I think there's a bit more movement for Nicky. I think he's finding his spots. I think uh, uh, t- the team is playing with a bit more energy. So uh, I think how much primary possession either team can win from the puck out is, is going to be, maybe it's an obvious thing, but it's going to be huge. Yeah, it's definitely going to be huge throwing for the game at one forty-five this Sunday. And it should be an absolutely epic encounter. We're really looking forward to it. We'll have full live commentary here on Live 95. Jim Bob, just, I suppose, talking about the debate and uh, all the talk about trying to get your hands on on tickets. 
one bonus if you didn't get a ticket is you're sitting at home and you're going to be treated to the world of hurling on Sunday because the the Leinster final obviously we've grown used to it being on a Saturday evening where you could watch it you could enjoy it ahead of the Munster final but it's on at 4 o'clock whereas the the Munster final is on at one forty five. so if you're sitting at home you get the benefit of, of being able to enjoy both but realistically anyone who's at the Limerick Clare game it'll go over their heads you probably won't see it till the Sunday game that night yeah, it's 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 a bit of an issue. Um, we had something similar at the Limerick Tip game when uh, Clare and Cork were playing. It was actually hard to to watch it when you go to a game. Unfortunately, um, with so many matches going on now at the moment, it's just hard to see them all. Um, so it's even a bigger need for maybe a highlight show or radio as as we do or whatever, because you get I suppose a bit of both worlds in it. But. Uh, yeah, the Leinster final at four o'clock is going to be an interesting one as well. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how even the Leinster teams, the three to qualify, Dublin, Kilkenny and Galway, come out of the, the Leinster Championship. Uh, we saw Kilkenny and Galway play already in, in uh, round two of the Leinster Championship. 28 points to 125. The talk after it was both teams were kind of going through the motions. Now, they definitely weren't trying that, but again, it comes back to my point about Limerick playing Clare the last day. Limerick wanted to win. Clare had to win. Kilkenny and Galway played each other the last time and both would have definitely taken the win but they they were happy with the draw so it kind of played out that way because they kind of effectively knew subconsciously I'm not saying they're, they're saying before the match oh we're going to beat Antrim beat Westmead but they kind of know that they're going to be the two teams in Leinster it kind of worked out that way albeit the last round of the championship went to be pear shape but I suppose the biggest talking point to the whole thing Luke um, is when, when this month's championship is over on Sunday we're facing into an All-Ireland series and the big question is how good are Kilkenny, Galway and Dublin how good are they going to be um, Dublin their last day out drew with Galway uh, what does that mean were Galway all, like sitting pretty waiting for the Leinster final are Dublin improving um, it's hard to know Wexford beat Kilkenny in their last game but then on that fact Dublin and Wexford peaked out of nowhere are we forgetting that Kilkenny only lost the All-Ireland last year by two points are we forgetting that this is the Galway team that have been knocking around the block and give Limerick their closest games in, in All-Ireland semi-finals the last couple of years so um, even the very nature of the talk that's going on all over the country it's all about the Munster Championship um, we're, we're kind of forgetting that there's Leinster teams there so I'm just very interested to see how um, these Leinster teams will integrate into the Championship and will it just be all Munster and will it be an all Munster uh, All-Ireland because I remember the last time the Munster Championship got way more coverage and publicity uh, about being so good over the Leinster Championship uh, and it was a Kilkenny-Galway final. I think that was back in uh, 2016 uh, or was it 2014 when Henry Shefflin, the replay and all that. But all the talk that year was the Munster hurling because all games were epic matches close and uh, it still ended up being Galway and Kilkenny in the All-Ireland. So, and again, Dublin. Dublin are going to be the... the like This is all taking it that they, they beat Offaly and... Um, and oh, yeah. Carlo in the in 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 the qualifiers we'll call him, but um, Dublin are going to be Dublin look compact. Obviously, don't know who is All Ireland winning manager with Galway, and he has him going well. So um, that's going to be very very interesting going down the line. Yeah, all set for an interesting summer, no doubt about that. We hope to be back in a couple of weeks' time looking forward to an All-Ireland semi-final and looking back on Limerick going five in a row in Munster titles with a big win over Clare at the two scale at grounds. Let's hope that that's the outcome this Sunday. We will have, as I said, full live commentary of the game. Thanks for tuning in to the Sideline Cut podcast sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick. We'll talk to you the next time. 
The Sideline Cut Podcast, sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick, making the energy requirements for your home, business or farm more affordable. Visit solarchoices.ie.